the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios in our file of Can't We Leave the Children Alone. Yesterday, I mentioned a summer camp for youth in Kentucky. It's called Sexy Summer Camp. Comes complete with lessons on sex liberation, gender exploration, BDSM, being a sex worker, self-managed abortions. You like that? and sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. One of the counselors is on video talking about encouraging how healthy it is for toddlers to, let us say, engage in sexual self-satisfaction, a phraseological euphemism I'm using and hate using even the euphemism in communications like this. Over in Florida... The attack on Ron DeSantis and the Republicans is about a piece of legislation the Democrats are attacking by calling the legislation the Don't Say Gay Bill. As Byron York reports, one of the weirder scenes in our recent politics took place this week in the Florida State Capitol in Tallahassee. Three Democratic state senators linked arms and did a sort of semi-dance down a hallway singing an impromptu song, Gay, 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 My Daughter's Gay, 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 Gay. They had apparently gotten the idea from a Saturday Night Live skit. Florida Senate Democrats were so proud of the moment that they posted a video of, on, uh, on Twitter with the message, we've got one thing to say to our GOP colleagues, G-A-Y. What does the legislation say? Exactly this, quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, close quote. Notice no ban that singles out homosexuality or gay. It bans teaching sexual themology, period. And as Byron York points out, notice that the bill prohibits, quote, classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity by teachers or other adults in kindergarten through third grade. It also says that such instruction after third grade must be age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate. Another way of looking at it is that Florida law will allow classroom instruction on these things beginning in the fourth grade. Is there some exigent need to sexualize five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds? Well, I suppose... If you want to change everything about human nature and the normal and natural maturation of human beings, children, while implanting emotional and mental scar tissue, there it is. But this is exactly what we are discussing. This in a state, Florida, where only 26% of fourth graders are proficient in reading, by the way, and 35% are below basic in reading. Higher percentage of fourth graders in Florida below basic in reading than are proficient in reading. Do you know what below basic means on the assessment we're talking about, the National Assessment of Education Progress? It means failure. It means an F. 
So, of course, perhaps one could take the energy put into sexualizing five and six year olds and double down on getting them to be literate, learn how to read and thus actually be able to think and grow and mature on their own. That is, of course, the obvious opposite goal of the propagandistic progressive left. Get them as young as possible, create a customer for life, guide them for a generation with priming at the earliest age possible. And you can, of course, change a culture using children as your chief weapon and guiding them in the direction not that parents want them to go, but that the progressive cause wants them to go. As the philosopher Hannah Arendt put it, as far back as the 1950s, it is a fantastic caricature of progressive education that by abolishing the authority of adults, we are implicitly denying their responsibility for the world into which they have borne their children, and it refuses the duty of guiding them into it. Have we now come to the point where it is the children who are being asked to change or improve the world, and do we intend to have our political battles fought out in the schoolyards, she asks. Yes, we do. We did it with COVID, just as we did it with climate issues, just as we did it with nuclear war, just as we did it with population growth, just as we did it with fighting wars against communist takeovers of otherwise non-communist countries. And now the next step is the liberation from the N-word, nature. I pointed out yesterday, based on a poll showing a majority of Democrats would not fight for this country if invaded, that when you have a political party whose warp and woof is to distort, defame, and then destruct the very founding of this country, you will get a party that naturally won't fight for something they have tried to teach us and believe is rotten, sinful, and evil. Who fights for crime, after all? And the one philosophical underpinning of our founding is our individual rights and freedom are based on natural right, the laws of nature and nature's God, as we appeal to the world in affirming and promulgating our independence. As I may have said before, I don't recall, I've told friends to stop sending me emails with things outrageous like what I've described above, news stories about similar analogs where they put in the subject line words like wow or shocking. We should not be shocked. We have been hell on wheels speeding as quickly as possible toward all these conclusions, or perhaps the better word is codas, because the stories don't quite end. They are ongoing, and no conductor can seem to stop them. Instead, I suggest subject lines for these emails, such as, in our continuing crisis, or adding to our index of failing cultural indicators. I recall when a radio host said he was shocked Iran tried to blow up a restaurant in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. in 2011. I had a smart GOP donor type who listened to that show call me to say, now why would he be shocked? Iran has targeted Americans for years and the parliament shouts death to America routinely. Good point. Good question. When we read what is taking place in our schools or with our youth, we should not be surprised anymore. The emotion should be quite something else, frankly. Bears asking again, can we not leave the children alone? I mean, must we recruit them to our causes at all costs, including their childhood, never mind their mental and emotional and social development? So what are we doing to our children from toddlers to teens? From toddlers being instructed in complex race theory and gender dysphoria to Teen Vogue, promoting the virtues of communism to the Cartoon Network, promoting the virtues of transgenderism. Plato, in his Republic, puts it this way, quote, 
Shall we just carelessly allow children to hear any casual tales which may be devised by casual persons and to receive into their minds ideas for the most part the very opposite of those which we should wish them to have when they are grown up? Now think about masks and vaccines too, never mind pitting kids and families against each other over masks and vaccines for a disease that affects them less than, say, drowning by a factor of about 100%, by the way. Clearly, no, the answer is we don't and cannot leave our children alone. Instead, we gave them learning loss, depression, anxiety, emergency department admissions for mental health issues, suicide ideation, and more drug use. Plato, again, in his Republic, got this better than anyone. Anything received into the mind at that age is likely to become indelible and unalterable. And therefore... It is most important that the tales which the young first hear should be models of virtuous thought. Then will our youth dwell in a land of health, amid fair sights and sounds, and receive the good in everything, and beauty, the effluence of fair works, shall flow into the eye and ear like a health-giving breeze from a pure region, and indelibly draw the soul from the earliest years into likeness and sympathy with the beauty of reason. There is no nobler training than that, Plato says. Now, when you think about that noble training, I think it's worth pointing out that we actually need to be taught that ourselves. I think I know why we need to be instructed in this. It goes back to a quote by Roger Scruton. All the best things we have when abused will cause bad things to happen. You can plant into a child good as much as you can plant into a child bad, as Plato says, and it becomes indelible. You can implant the beauty of reason, and you can implant the ugliness of bad passion. Well, we catastrophized children, and they are not doing well. Losing what they lost in learning may be the least of it. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, emergency department department visits for mental health emergencies rose by 24% for children aged 5 through 11 years, and 31% for children aged 12 through 17 years during COVID. In addition, emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts increased nearly 51% among girls aged 12 to 17 years in 2021, compared to the same period in 2019. We have reached a point now where the leading cause of death, the leading cause for young adults is drug overdose. We reached that point. We grabbed for it, and we got it. Good work. And now onward, the great white shark swims, never stopping, never resting, being the swimming and eating machine that it is. Well, someone needs to stand athwart this cultural moment of attack and yell, stop. Ron DeSantis is one trying and note how they try to take him out. If a lie is the main pillar of a system, truth is its greatest enemy and must be silenced or stopped. Vaclav Havel reminded us. Now, I know many in this audience don't send their children to schools that do this sort of thing, never mind after-school programs or summer camps. But first, are you sure? Make sure. You know, one of the first tests of a good school is how receptive it is to parental involvement and questioning. Even that was attempted to be surceased. See the school board's association and the U.S. Attorney General trying to make of such parents terrorists in the eyes of the law, literally. Not those abusing our children and their innocence, their parents. 
And if your children's education and recreational space is integral, keep in mind you still live in a country with fellow citizens whose spaces are not, whose schools may not be. Living next to a polluting smokestack is not solved if someone says if you don't like the air, simply don't breathe or move. For those surprised still, this is going on, understand the effectuation. George Orwell, again, got it exactly on point. Quote, he picked up the children's history book and looked at the portrait of Big Brother, which formed its frontispiece. The hypnotic eyes gazed into his own. It was as though some huge force were pressing down upon you, something that penetrated inside your skull, battering against your brain, frightening you out of your beliefs, persuading you almost to deny the evidence of your senses. In the end, the party would announce that two and two made five, and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later. Inevitable. The logic of their position demanded it. Inevitable from the logic. Not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of external reality was tacitly denied by their philosophy. The heresy of heresies was common sense. And what was terrifying was not that they would kill you for thinking otherwise, but that they might be right. For after all, how do we know that two and two makes four, or that the force of gravity works, or that the past is unchangeable? If both the past and external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? Close quote. And now you see my point as to why I worry about people who are uneducated against these things and start believing the culture that is directed towards them. They question whether they are right and the culture is wrong when so many voices are telling them they're the wrong ones. Please, I beg of us, make Orwell fiction again. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. A reporter tried to... Uh, Get Ron DeSantis on this yesterday on this uh, what they're calling the don't say gay bill. I'll say more about it in a moment. But I got it. I mean, this is how you fight. You push back as hard as the age that pushes against you. I wish we all had Ron DeSantis's. We all don't. But we can use him as the model, the role model for how we do deal with these things. One of the things is to know what you're talking about. There's no substitute for brains. Let me repeat that. There is no substitute for brains. Here's Ron and a reporter. The reporter, his voice is a little muted, but you'll get it. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. For who? For, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. You, you know he wanted to say something other than stuff, don't you? You just know he did. How good is he? How good is he? You know you know what's in your bill, and you try and um, 
yes, disabuse, disabuse the nonsense. David Harsani is on this. Um, the AP bought into it. It's not just the Saturday Night Live and 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 it's not just Saturday Night Live and Democratic reporters in Tallahassee. Uh, the AP says, quote, the Florida legislature has passed the don't say gay bill, which Governor uh, Ron DeSantis is expected to sign into law. You want some other headlines? Time. Florida just passed the don't say gay bill. BBC, don't say gay bill passes Florida Senate. ABC, Florida lawmakers pass don't say gay. NBC, Florida House passes don't say gay bill. CBS, Florida House passes controversial don't say gay bill. NPR, don't say gay bill, passes in the Florida House. To its credit, Harsani writes, CNN had the most accurate headline, quote, Florida House approves bill prohibiting schools from discussing sexual orientation and gender di- identity in K through three classrooms, close quote. Bill is applauding. Don't say gay is the moniker partisan Democrats have given the Florida bill. It is intentionally misleading. The legislation, which never mentions the word gay or for that matter, homosexual anywhere, does, as CNN notes, prohibit public school teachers from discussing sexual topics and gender topics in kindergarten through third grade. It's a lot different from what don't say gay implies. If Republicans had decided to call the Democrats' recent abortion bill on demand, paid for by taxpayers, the let's kill taxpayers, the let's kill babies bill, no major news agency would have allowed those words to creep into their reporting, much less their Headlines. If liberals want to engage in hyperbole, that's their business. But how can we trust outlets that shamelessly regurgitate their propaganda? That's absolutely the point. But there's another one. There's another other one. Think about what you conservatives are up against or what you just commonsensical people are up against. Look at look at how everyone from AP to Time to BBC to ABC to NBC to CBS to NPR used the same talking point, fallacious talking point. They all did. And you're expecting we're supposed to believe that the, uh, I I don't know, I don't know, that the um, hundreds of millions of people in this country that don't listen to talk radio are supposed to be armed against this or ready for this kind of onslaught or know how to answer it? Never mind people who are conservatives who naturally would be against it, who don't listen. But just the broad swath of American, the Democrats say it cleverly, say it, come up with a moniker or a mantra, and it gets swallowed whole without question by the AP, Time, BBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, and NPR. That's a lot to work against. That's a lot to contend with. Think about how hard the fight is. I'm Seth Liebson, live from the Guns Etc. Studios. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour, we get to talk to John Dabrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the website. He joins us every day at this time to give us our culture and economy update. He also has his own radio show right here on 960 every Saturday at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, how are you, sir? Happy Wednesday. Same to you, Seth. Doing great. Thank I, you. I've had a problem. Maybe you're – I don't know. You probably won't like saying this, me saying this, but I, I feel like some I, – I feel like I'm a lot like you in many ways. You probably don't want to hear that, but in any event, 
Have you for the past two weeks thought the Wednesday was a Thursday? I'm assuming you have because I have. There's been a couple of okay. times. I get my days mixed <laughs> okay. up. Yes, right. I do. All right. <laughs> we not were, a, it's not uncommon. <laughs> we were talking yesterday about the price of energy use. Obviously, yeah. gas prices is something people face weekly, if not more frequently, maybe daily even in some cases. Today, the prices of uh, the price of oil did fall a bit, but you were going to talk to us just a little bit about how, how, how that happens, just a little bit how the price of oil and how oil uh, distribution comes to us, if you don't mind. Well, of course, everything is supply and demand, right. as we know, right? right. And there was, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, I think you may have seen it today, right? Biden's U.S. oil embargo. Yes, Talk, yes. Talking, yes. Right? yes. Talk, talking about uh, now he is going to uh, stop the importing of Russian oil and natural gas. Right. Uh, and, and if anyone was listening to what the president said, it was yesterday, um, I was shocked at what he said after that. He doubled down on his uh, clean energy mm-hmm. um, issue and uh, basically said that, uh, hey, oil companies, if you want to, there's, we're not stopping and we're not impeding <laughs> right. oil companies from you know, producing more oil in this country. Uh, but that is not true. Right. That was not a truthful statement. Uh, supply and demand is the key to everything here, Seth. As we know, this world economy and the world market right now and the thirst for, for oil is just what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't just say one day we don't want to use oil anymore and expect that we're going to be able to continue um, growing our economies not only in the U.S., but worldwide. Yeah, let me inject that these fossil fuel energy supplies are constitute more than 90% of energy use. Yes, Yeah, exactly. you, can't, you can't just turn that off and say, <laughs> let the soul, let the sun shine in, you know? Yeah, and, yeah we can have a very aggressive uh, approach to alternative clean energy if we want to. That's great, but not at the expense of the consumer's uh, having to uh, pay the prices that we're paying right now. And that is not necessarily going to get better if we're going to continue to put more and more pressure on, on oil and natural gas companies. We can do this, and we can do it in an efficient way. We could do it in a clean way, much cleaner than many other countries out there are producing oil and gas. Uh, and but the, but the current administration has to allow the companies to do this. Seth, there's a process that you have to go through, obviously, if you want to uh, drill for oil. Not only, yes, you've got to have the permits, but you've got to have all of the other uh, financing. And if you look at this article, if you read this article, it talks about the cost uh, that, it, that it takes for these companies to, to start a new well. Uh, and they need financing for that. And they need and, transportation and pipelines. Yes, and apparently, though, the current administration is putting uh, roadblocks right. in place for for uh, oil and gas companies to be able to borrow money right. because they're trying to funnel that money to clean energy. So, in other words, yeah, you can do it if you have your own dollar and you don't, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about borrowing money to to do this. Uh, and we may make it a little bit more difficult for you because, yes, we'll give you the permit, but. You know, it may take about, uh, you know, three or four months before we'll get to your permit and ultimately give it to you. Whereas the state of Texas, it says in this, their permits are two days <laughs> yeah. for the state of Texas. Yeah, 140 days for the feds, two days for Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how does that make sense? Right. If we are in, a, in an energy crunch right now, shouldn't the current administration be able to put aside some of the regulatory uh, roadblocks and give 
this country a chance to produce the necessary energy it needs during this immediate uh, need we have. Well, you know, yes, of course. And, you know, also, how about, you know, there are other things that we could do, too. If we're not willing to do that, I mean, why not just put a moratorium, a temporary moratorium on the tax, the gasoline tax that consumers have to pay, 18 cents or whatever it is again, you know, and then combine that with states lifting their state taxes on. I mean, you could you could save the consumer a lot of pain at the pump during this crisis by just doing that. But, you know, there is a party in this country that is allergic to drilling and is allergic to tax moratoriums. Yes, they sure, sure are. Thank you, John. All right, so thank you. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, not affiliated. We didn't talk about how well the market did today. Either. No, but it did, and we'll pick up on that theme. Yes, yeah. you're right, John. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, John Dombrowski. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by our good friends at the Balance of Nature, whole fruits and veggies. That's what I take every day. That's what we encourage everyone in earshot to take. On their veggie side, the blends are there for maintaining your health, protecting your health, and repairing your health. Broccoli from the whole head, spinach leaf, soybean seed, green cabbage from the head, wheatgrass leaves, kale leaves, cauliflower from the whole head, celery stalk, white onion bulbs, zucchini fruit, a lot more and a lot more. And that's the only thing that is in the fruits and veggies, fruits and veggies, nothing else, no additives, nothing, gluten-free, 100% whole food, no extracts, no synthetics totally vegetarian. Balanceofnature.com. Their fruits and veggies. Go to balanceofnature.com to order yours and make sure to use discount code balance for the best deal. Discount code balance. Now, here's, let me pick up where John left off. John Dabrowski left off because you won't get it from PBS, CBS, AP, you name it. But the Wall Street Journal on the op-ed page does have a concept, an idea or two, that if you cared about Americans, if you cared about Americans, and if you cared about making America great now, not again, not yesterday, not in the future, not in 2050, not in 2070, not in 20, now, you can do it. You can do it. All the president would have to do is declare that his administration will support the development of U.S. oil and gas, rescind all regulations designed to curb production, development, and consumption, announce a moratorium on new ones, expedite permits, and encourage investment. Our guess is the price of Brent crude would fall $20 a barrel in anticipation of just such an announcement, never mind what happens after the fact. Mr. Biden is doing precisely the opposite. Yesterday, he blamed U.S. companies, not his policies, for not producing more. There are 9,000 available unused drilling permits, he claimed, and only 10 percent of onshore oil production takes place on federal land. It's misdirection. First, companies have to obtain additional permits for rights of way to access leases and build pipelines to transport fuel. This has become harder and harder. Anyone hear of a famous pipeline that was canceled by this administration? Second, 
Companies must build up a sufficient inventory of permits before they can contract rigs because of the regulatory difficulties of operating on federal land. It takes, as John was saying, 140 days for the feds to approve a drilling permit. In Texas, two, two days. The administration has halted onshore lease sales. Producers are developing leases more slowly since they don't know when more will be available. Offshore leases were snapped up at a November auction because companies expect it might be the last time. Department of Interior's five-year leasing program for the Gulf of Mexico expires in June. Yet the administration hasn't put forward a new plan, nor did it appeal a judge's order in January revoking November's leases. But the administration has appealed another judge's order requiring that it hold lease sales. Then there's the not-so-small problem of financing. Companies can't explore and drill or build pipelines without capital. Biden financial regulators, allied with progressive investors, are cutting it off. The Labor Department now has a rule that would require 401k managers to consider the climate impact of their investment holdings. Think about that. The Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to issue a rule requiring companies and their financiers to disclose greenhouse gas emissions. Joe Biden has nominated Sarah Bloom Raskin to be the Federal Reserve's top bank supervisor. Her top priority is using bank regulation to redirect capital from fossil fuels to green energy. Large energy producers are buying back stock and redirecting capital to renewables because they see the administration's writing on the wall. Small independent producers are eager to take advantage of higher prices. They can't get the loans. Many relied on private equity during the last shale boom, but those firms are now cutting them off. Progressive outfit Global Energy Monitor gleefully proclaimed yesterday that $244 billion in U.S. liquefied natural gas is being stalled because, quote, they are struggling to find financiers and buyers amid pressure from cheap renewables, i.e. rich green energy subsidies that Democrats want to make richer, tightening climate commitments. It's almost a miracle that any oil and gas production is occurring in the United States of America amid this political hostility. The Ukraine crisis ought to be an inflection point that causes the Biden administration to do an energy reset. Instead, the president says, quote, it should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy, close quote. Replacing Russia's 5 million barrels of global crude exports with the U.S., United States, Canadian oil and building pipelines to transport it would take time. But the transition to a fossil-free world will take decades and technological breakthroughs and will leave the U.S. dependent on China, Russia and other countries for minerals like lithium and nickel. Mr. Biden bemoans today's skyrocketing gas prices, yet he remains hostage to the green energy donors whose policies guarantee higher prices. The president is enabling Putin's energy leverage, even as he claims the opposite. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And you get the arrogance of this from people who think they're on the side of the little guy Maybe they don't even think that anymore. It's possible the Mercedes Marxists among, among us, the Cadillac communists, I uh, used to call them. It's possible they don't even really think about the little guy anymore. It's just somewhere wafting around the rooms that that's what the Democratic Party was all about and should still be about. 
because the Republicans are big, mean people who want to do what? What is the motivation? What is our motivation? I'll tell you what it isn't. I'll tell you what it isn't if you've listened to the conservative movement and the Republican Party for a long time now. It's not supporting and it's not giving money to the, to the, to the large corporations in America. The large corporations stopped being our friends a long time ago and we stopped being theirs. Large corporations are now the friends of the Democratic Party and progressivism. Which is why I can understand Joe Biden gives that kind of quizzical look sometimes when he's asked about or confronted from the media about how there's divisions within the Democratic Party, i.e. the squad members who think they have to rebut his State of the Union. When you look at what is going on underneath the calm duck on top of the water, when you look at the, at the gyrations going on under that water, as this Wall Street Journal piece points out, there's a lot going on that is driven by the climatistas in this administration. A lot. And all you get from Jen Psaki is a talking point. And it's, of course, much easier to remember that there are 9,000 leases that have been approved than it is to know about all these other regulations that nullify that self-same point. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. I bet there are probably more lobster tanks in restaurants in this country than there are people who order slow gin fizzes. It's just not a drink you hear much about anymore. I don't know if outside of the song I've ever heard of that drink before. I mean, I know what it is, but and slow is not spelled S-L-O-W. For all the um, education professionals, he's not my candidate, as many of you know, but Matt Salmon had a had a pretty good op-ed in today's Arizona Republic on 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 learning loss. Uh, or at least, you know, the distinction that the media refuses to let us make, the distinction we make between teachers, good teachers, or just teachers generally, and their trade union leadership, teachers' unions. There is a difference between teachers. There's a difference between teachers and teachers' unions. There's a difference between teachers' unions, parents, and children. There is a difference. When one condemns teachers' unions, it does not mean they are condemning teachers. Any more than when one condemns Vladimir Putin, it means we are condemning Russians. This is one of the great things Ronald Reagan used to do, of course, when he spoke about the evil empire of the Soviet Union. He always talked about the leadership and made very clear he was not talking about the Soviet people. They were the prisoners of their leadership. They were, they were, they were the subjects of their leadership. Anyway, you had a a lot of teachers' unions leaders declining or denying is the better word, denying that there was any such thing as learning loss. You know, I was talking about all the things we lost in the school closures and what we did with children throughout the COVID pandemic. And a lot of denials. A lot of – there's no learning loss. The head of the L.A. teachers' union said, you've heard it from others. No learning loss. There's no learning loss. Maybe the New York Times today will help. Now, remember in Florida I had mentioned – that at the fourth grade, a higher percentage of students fail basic English literacy literacy than are proficient in it. Something like 35% failure rate, below basic, that's failure. 35% ba- Remind me to tell a funny story on below basic if you want some at some point, Bill, if that's of interest to you. But here's the New York Times 
today, the New York Times today. It's alarming. Children are severely behind in reading. The kindergarten crisis of last year, when millions of five-year-olds spent months outside of classrooms, has become this year's reading emergency. As the pandemic enters its third year, a cluster of new studies now show that a third, one-third, 33% of children in the youngest grades are missing reading benchmarks, up significantly from before the pandemic. One study found reading skills were at a 20-year low this fall. I'll ask again, can we leave the children alone? I'm Seth Leaps. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 